0: Disciple podcast, where we explore the ins and outs of university life and unpack what it means to be a disciple on campus.
1: Sister Mary Helen, it's good to see you.
2: Good to see you, Father Nicholas.
1: I'm back. It's been You're a back. while. Mm-hmm. I feel like we haven't. Yeah,
2: you've been faded <laughs> out over, a. you know, it was like end of Lent, Holy Week, you died with Christ and now you've risen.
1: Risen <laughs> again with new life. <laughs> uh, it's great to be back on the podcast and to be joined today by Anthony and Xavier. Hello, gentlemen.
3: G'day, Father. G'day, Sister. Howdy. Hello. Hello.
1: So they just admitted that they've never listened to this podcast before. So um, this could go absolutely anywhere. But uh, it's great to have you, um, two of our seminarians for the Archdiocese of Melbourne. Mm-hmm. And this podcast will be released sometime around the fourth Sunday of, of Easter, which is also known as Good Shepherd Sunday. So we thought it was a, a great opportunity to, to speak about vocation mm-hmm. and discernment. Mm-hmm. And we've been at it for a little while, Sister. The
2: podcast situation. Well, I was just doing about vocation.
1: <laughs> or trying to pull us in. We're we're, <laughs> we're, a, we're a bit old, so I thought what a good idea to get some get of some the,
2: new people. Yeah. It's real. These are real voices.
1: Real guys. Of
2: real little shepherds I'm actually an real AI, AI voice. Because you know, we have Fatima, World Youth Day. We're gonna be talking with about the shepherd children over there. Now we have Shepherds
3: Shepherd. Children. Shepherd. <laughs> mini Shepherds. <laughs> shepherds in training.
2: That's it.
1: I've only learnt recently about this AI sort of thing uh, mm. that
0: is sort of... <coughs>
1: sweeping the world. <laughs> that's what I'm looking for, sweeping the world.
0: You'd actually like this, sister. I was on it the other day. And no, I don't you like that. Look up, no, you okay. can look up, like, when does Aquinas mention in Summa Theologiae about such and such and such? And Ooh. it
2: goes pew pew, 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 Wow.
0: This this chapter. sister,
2: Evangelising you know. AI. Oh, hey, it's good. There you go. So
0: World Youth
1: Day, Shepherd Children, we are looking... Um, some of our musicians are starting to get ready to travel with us on pilgrimage, yeah. and they're doing some planning about different hymns to sing. And they put in hymns to Our Lady um, that would be appropriate at World Youth Day.
2: Wow! And this
1: thing just churned out, and I was like, oh, "Maybe th- there is some use to this thing mm-hmm. after all." Mm-hmm. But it's a tool. But we can say they're not—they're not AI. They are real seminarians. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We are. Yes. So, Anthony, Xavier, you've been here at Corpus Christi for how many years?
3: Uh, third year, and we're we're both in the same year, so I suppose that's two years and a few months. Mm-hmm. Great, Yep. No, it's been good. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're not going to mention the elephant in the room, which is that we're cousins. Well, oh you are no. cousins, so I think we might even
1: tackle that because you obviously you journey, you've had different experiences before coming to the seminary, but you've you've had the journey together. So we might um jump into that. But it is Good Shepherd Sunday, and it is the Sunday where the church in particular has turned her attention to praying for vocations to the priesthood. And I I always speak to my parish about the fact that um, we all have a responsibility of praying for Mm vocations and that whatever God may be calling us in our own life, um, praying for and supporting vocations is the responsibility of the whole church because we all need the sacraments. And I hope that there'll be someone who'll be there to anoint me when I die. Um, and someone to teach our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren the faith. So uh look forward to delving a little further into the topic. You're listening to the You Disciple podcast, where we put the you in disciple. So if you s- if you still have some eardrums after I'm that, I'm so sorry. I'm all off centre. S- and s- I s- can't deck. get my hold of s- everything. Sister's back the console, <laughs> and if, if there was ever any doubt, we don't we don't edit these uh, we don't edit these podcasts. They're they're amazing. They're recorded live. <laughs> DJ OP. <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, obviously, well, we don't we don't know who listens but it's generally university students. yeah. <laughs> so, fellas, you both spent some time sort of before you went to the seminary. Can you tell us a little bit about what you were doing before you um, started following your vocation to the priesthood?
3: Yeah, so um, I spent a couple of years uh, straight out of school. I, I thought, what can I do? I, I guess I need a job, so what do I need for that? I, I need a university degree, and perhaps silly, I um, decided I'd do a double degree, which uh, would take five years, but it was uh, Monash Engineering and Science for a couple of years, which was... a uh, Good. Hey, Pulled I did lots.
2: the same degree. There
3: you go. Oh. But she actually finished, I finished it. Yeah, her. that's, that's
2: <laughs> <right>. <laughs> It's okay. You found your vocation That's right.
3: Well, yeah. Anyway, so I guess two years in, it was the middle of COVID as well. So I was I was losing interest fast in the the engineering and science once I uh, started to realize that the God God might be calling.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Xavier, what were you up to?
3: <clears throat> yeah, so I also studied science, but at
0: Melbourne. Um, did you I mean, finish it? I finished <laughs> it over four years, though not three. Um, and I. All had gone in intending to do medicine, so I'd sat the game set a couple of times, but realised when I was doing a major in chemistry that I didn't want to work in a lab, I didn't want to work in a hospital, and I'd never wanted to work in an office, so I didn't have much left on the plate. So I thought, what about teaching or police? Kind of out of there. So I taught for a year, and then I joined the police um, for two years, and then I entered the seminary uh, just after a few years in the police. So it was about seven years after school I finished. Yeah. So
1: what... There's... Often people sort of say, "Oh, go and see the world before uh, before going to the seminary," um, and like so, I had a few years out, and I I did a year at uni, and a year at work as well. I didn't finish my initial degree um, Sorry, my me, so we can we can have that in common. I'm like, what right. did you learn from those years um, as students at university that sort of set you up before going into the seminary?
3: Yeah, for me, it was it was really quite instrumental in finding my own vocation. So. I was very fortunate to be uh, heavily associated with the Monash Catholics, the the group at the, the campus there. So that was really the first time I'd been introduced to uh, people my age who were very intentional about the faith, who, um, who prayed um, and even went to Mass throughout the week. Um, all of this was sort of new to me. I, I hadn't expected it necessarily, um, but I sort of found myself frequenting with those uh, people and, yeah, it just brought up a lot of questions, which I um, looked into, I suppose, over the course of a couple of years and yeah, just ultimately grew closer to God and helped my prayer life as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and
0: that was probably the total opposite for me that I started studying and was, you know, not at all intentional in my faith in how I was practicing my faith um, and really sort of came through a reconversion, if you call it that experience, um, over uni, but not through uni at all. I'd probably be the very typical Melbourne uni student or university student at within Melbourne, not necessarily Melbourne uni, um, in that I would... In first year I sort of hang out at uni a little bit and then second, third, fourth year I went, I went to class, I left, that was it. That was the sort of maximum of my uh, involvement there and I didn't have a really cool place to hang out.
1: <laughs> One of the things whilst I was a uni student was about sort of as I was beginning to discern and feel the sense of a call, also sort of seeing the difference between what was being offered uh, by the real world and by a university and by the culture and what I was feeling more deeply within myself about a call to the priesthood and service within the church. And the the longer I stuck at it, the more I realised that there was this difference. Did either of you have that experience?
0: Um, I mean, yes, probably not so much at uni because I was still learning. But I think it, it became apparent as time went on that it was, you know, I'm... I am feeling called to something. I didn't know what then. I, you know, I thought it was married life like it is for most people. Um, but I started, I got, a, I came in touch with a few guys who were actually trying to sort of be intentional about how they lived their faith and seeing that they were living good lives. Like they, they seemed happy, um, which I'd not really experienced before in, in the parishes or wherever else. And I'd never really been a part of any any youth groups. It wasn't wasn't my thing. Um and so seeing that seeing that difference that you know my friends at uni were doing such and such on the weekend what have you and then these other guys were off hiking mountains some of them or you know just having a good time um i think that was probably the biggest disconnect
2: i'm thinking i'm just listening to these stories thinking you know our whole approach right now is discipleship being disciples of christ and you're you know textbook example yes we we are a group of people I ran into a group of people who are actually living the faith and then even among that group and then probably you know the rest of them are not in seminary with you even among that group then I could recognize even a deeper call than that that there's something really important about being in a group
1: yeah, And I was, I was the same. I went to World Youth Day yeah. um, as a 16-year-old as a school student. I came back. But it was the relationships that I built at World Youth Day yeah. and the example of peers who had a deeper faith than I did mm-hmm. and that there was something in that that I really admired and looked for. And so that was attractive. Yeah. And by then connecting in with them, I obviously started praying a little bit more and the more I prayed, the more this sense of a call deepened within myself. Mm-hmm. What about it for you guys? Like when it all sort of started, this sense of a call, can you remember sort of what it felt like?
3: Mm. It's it's an interesting one. I must say my answer to that has changed in hindsight a lot. Like I, I guess I never considered recognising a vocation, particularly throughout school or anything like that. But in hindsight, <laughs> I remember my mum would ask me, oh, you know, are, are you, do you still consider the priesthood? And this was back in high school. And I remember having a very visceral reaction against that, thinking, oh, don't ask me that question. Like, I don't want to think about it, which, I mean, in a sense, there's a lot. Like, I, I clearly knew what the priesthood was, perhaps that there was some element of sacrifice and all of that, which I thoroughly didn't want to address at the time. But it wasn't really till um, I was in uni that I started properly trying to answer that question for myself. Um, yeah.
1: And yeah, I was the same. I think there was a time of denial and also sort of running away from it a little bit. But the more I the more I tried to avoid it, the clearer it became.
0: Yeah, I suppose for me it was, um, I had been, when I came back to the faith really and started practicing it, I'd been dating at the time. I'd been dating for about, you know, four, I dated for four to five years quite intentionally. Um, and so I thought, you know, oh, now I'm practicing, you know, trying to live up to the standard of Christian living. And I guess that means I should be married. Um, the relationship didn't end, end up um, going so well. So um, it was then sort of having this period of time afterwards where I had, um, it had been a, cup, a rocky couple of years and I thought, well, you know, I need this time just to myself. I wasn't thinking about the priesthood at all. Um, and it was, but I'm also not thinking about dating. I'm just going to have this time to, to grow in myself. And it was a period where there were a few changes just before I started in the police. Um, and finished had finished uni and it really was allowing that time allowed me to realize what it was inside me that it wasn't it didn't feel like a call but it it was sort of an opening up of um of allowing something to happen even though I didn't know what that was and I certainly didn't want it to be the priesthood for sure
1: and I think that's that's key it's it's not about actually wanting the priesthood to a certain degree, it's about wanting God's will Mm -hmm. and being open to God's will and actually uh, a freedom to go, okay, God, if this is what you are asking of me, I'm willing to do it. Mm -hmm. And that was was a big sort of change for me. I'd run for a little while, Mm -hmm. but then it was like, okay, I'm at least going to be open to the fact that this may be what you're asking of me. Yep. but that I think that was probably the most significant leap in my discernment process was a willingness to be open to it rather than okay, I think it might be what God's asking, but hell okay. no sort of
0: yeah no, that's right, I think it's spot on it's really similarly for me it was going al- just going along and then and then realizing that I wasn't rejecting it now it was it originally it was like no 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 priest, no priest, definitely not priest and that was. Well, why not? You know, what is that a possibility? At being becoming open to it, like. I said? And I think
1: this is something that speaks to every young person, mm. as a young university student, young adult, young Catholic, young professional, is: Are you open to God's will? Right. Like whatever that may be, yeah. whether that's priesthood or marriage or religious life, like, am I open to what God might be asking of me? And I think that's what. That's what the Lord asks of his disciples. It's mm-hmm. like, come follow me, like, wherever I may go. Yes. And not knowing what that might entail.
2: I think um, we've been discussing this at home a little bit. Um, what complicates that process, why it takes so long sometimes, is that the rest of the world lives as if God doesn't exist. And we can practically live that way even though we know he exists um, and so this whole area of providence, like are we or are we not in the hands of a loving God? And uh, he has all things in hand and everything in my story is, is lovingly placed there. Um, so it, we've got to gain that perspective first. Who, who am I speaking with? Who, who is asking this of me? Someone who loves me and who wants better for me than I could ever want for myself. And I think that, that alone time where it's just you and the Lord is so important for just gaining that perspective
1: and that requires trust though
2: of course yeah
1: and if we we live in a world where trust is most commonly broken right and it's really hard to trust because we carry some wounds of trust being broken in our human relationships uh the church doesn't always engender the greatest deal of trust and so we then apply that to god yes and it's like, okay, well, if if I don't know how to trust, how do I, how do I, how am I ever going to trust in providence yes. and be open to letting the Lord lead me in a way that I don't know where to go? So, how do we build that? Yeah. So you've spoken a bit about sort of silence, mm-hmm. fellas. What what was helpful for you in those early stages um, to really open yourself up to what God might have been saying?
3: Yeah, I mean silence. Obviously, I think is key. I mean, in a very real way, prayer like just is the basis of it. Like, if you're not talking with God, if you're not having that opportunity, um, then you you're just not going to build that trust that needs to be there. I think that's at a very fundamental level um, what we need to aim for, and that's certainly what worked for my, my life. It was interesting, Father, listening to what you were saying about that experience of having that moment when you recognized, oh, do I need to be Open to God, and it, it Xavier mentioned it as well, and I think that's very much like I had that experience as well, but it wouldn't be possible had I not had that um yeah desire to pray, i suppose, in the first place
0: mm-hmm. yeah, and I think um example as well you you don't know what you're called to if you don't know what it is um if you have no priests in your life or none who you'd recognize by their priestly qualities, well you're not going to know what to do, and likewise. Women, I know we're talking about priests, but if you don't see religious women, you won't ever understand that call, and if you don't look into it. Um, but certainly, prayer—prayer is number one. <coughs> yeah. Uh, um,
4: Sorry.
0: Speaking to speaking to Jesus, um, asking Our Lady for help, and then in seeking Our Lord in adoration, I think is the quietest time that you'll find to be able to discern that.
1: And people have listened to this long enough know is for me it's daily mass. Yeah. It's like if, if you want to know what the Lord wants you to do with your life go to daily Mass.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Whether it's a good Mass or a bad Mass, whether it's <laughs> it's good preaching or bad preaching, whether it's good liturgy or bad liturgy, whatever it is, go. Like, mm-hmm. if you want to know. And that was where, really, for me, I'd been doing the personal prayer and I'd even had a bit of spiritual direction. But it was when I, I made a, a strong commitment to get to daily Mass mm-hmm. and I had a group of friends that helped me do that, um, drag me out of my house sometimes to get me there, sort of morning Mass. But... Um, it was when I started receiving the Lord daily and being at Mass every day that his his voice became abundantly clear to clear. me. Clear.
2: And I think that that learning his voice is really important for getting some kind of confidence to take leaps of faith. Um, I think both in Scripture, I often challenge people, well, could you describe Jesus for me? And they, mm, it's a little bit ambiguous, but really pondering his the way he speaks and what he says and what he sees and what he loves and being able to really know him deeply, really really chew on the gospel. Um, but then on the other hand of of the adventure, and I found it really kind of a playful, fun adventure with the Holy Spirit of learning his voice, of trying today to respond to him, like like asking him, okay, come get me, come show me, and then trying to respond. And sort of I found that a big game you know of learning learning when it's the holy spirit and being able to discern by its fruits yeah that was good that that was of god
1: i think the other big thing is that it's not something you can do on your own true and for me my my spiritual life sort of took a step forward when i started sharing what was happening in my heart with a with a good priest friend yeah. first my regular confessor and then for some form of spiritual direction outside but after that at one point or another, a vocation to service within the church is actually discerned by the church. Yes. And I think one of the biggest things I see in young people today is a, this temptation to try to do it on their own. Mm-hmm. And it's like at one point or another, if if, if you want to date a girl and get married, at one point you got to have to ask her opinion. Yes. Yes. And it's, very, it's the same yep. with a vocation to the priesthood or religious life. And mm-hmm. it's at one point or another, you need to give yourselves over to the church to help you in that discernment. And for, for young men looking at the diocese and priesthood, that obviously is when the seminary comes in. Because, and this was one of the big things for me, was um, the seminary is actually only the beginning of a seven-year discernment process. So you guys are, are three years in. What... What has the seminary given you that has sort of helped you to continue in that discernment process?
3: Yeah, there, there are quite a number of things really and I think the there's the structure is a very important part of that and, and part of that structure is obviously the, the daily routine of prayer. Um, they offer regular confession and and spiritual direction is obviously part of that. Um, so all those things are there to help you grow and and help you recognize as you were saying, father, whether or not you might have a vocation really, like it's 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 there to help you. Um, yeah. Having the chapel next door to where you're staying as well, I think is another quintessential part of that. Like you, you have to have that, that space to allow yourself to, to spend time with God. Yeah.
0: I mean in essence I think a seminary really has all the key components that we've been talking about. You've got the models of of priesthood and often consecrated life as well. Um, and other, other lay people who know the church and love the church. Um, then you have the community. You've got your brothers not only in your year, but all the way from first year to diaconate. Not only that, but you're implanted in the middle of the diocese. You spend time at the cathedral, in parishes. You get to know people and meet people. And I think like you said, you know, what is vocation? Well, vocation is a calling, you know, firstly from God, but then it's affirmed by the people and the church. So the seminary and the and the staff act as, act as the church for the bishop um, and they help you decide and discern. But then it's also, okay, the people. When have I been, have there been old non at my parish saying, you'd be a good priest, you'd be a good priest. <laughs> Either family or friends or they're a priest, or habited religious mm-hmm. or girlfriends, you're in trouble if your girlfriend <laughs> says that. Um,
1: and I think a big part of the seminary, as you said, Xavier, is like you get sent out. You, you do pastoral work, you're in parishes, you're out there in the community. So again it's not that sort of um, I, I remember when I went my sister thought that I was going to a monastery like I think when I told them she pictured some sort of blue stone sort of building in the mountains and that she'd never see me again. Well, as you said, it's in the heart of it's in the heart of the city and you're constantly being sent out into parishes and communities. Um, Anthony like what what of what have you sort of experienced in your pastoral work at the seminary?
3: Mm. I think it's it's an extraordinary experience, really. Uh, my f- well, the first year was ridden with COVID, so that was very unfortunate. But really, in the second year, it started picking up, and there's I, I consider the pastoral work as really the the life blood of, or the energy that you need to get through seminary. Like it's <laughs> you're dealing with the people that you're going to be spending the rest of your life serving. So it's like that is perhaps the closest you'll get to recognising what, what the priesthood, like what they do in a sense. Um, we had a really good experience during the second year teaching catechetics to um, kids um, at Kilo Downs, which was a really incredibly re- rewarding experience. Um, yeah. Did you do a
2: good job. I dropped in on one day. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's right. yeah, good. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <good>. <laughs> And you're about to be immersed in it full time. You're both going to World Youth Day. so right. you're gonna, right. But I think there is that real um, sense of, okay, I've had this sense of a call. I've put it at the church to help me discern, and as you said, through the study, through the prayer, through the formation, through the staff, but then I'm also going to trust the church. And so um, through my experiences in parishes and communities and pastoral work, like people affirm or or not a call with, within you, what's, what's, what are you looking forward to most about the priesthood? then I'll I'll tell you what it's really like yeah Yeah. that's right (laughs) the musings of a a couple
3: of third year seminarians Um, (laughs) that's right still idealistic yeah no um look uh, ultimately no it doesn't happen no (laughs) (laughs) I I joined the prospect of trying to save souls I I guess that's what it boils down to and I think that's most visible from my experience Um, perhaps even in the confessional like that's that's where you can see that the power of the priest um, really quite strongly like they they say the words like, I absolve you of your sins um i think that's something that's burnt into my mind that wow that there's the power to do that i think that really when i think about the priesthood i mean obviously there's the mass so i, I don't want to <laughs> downplay that at all but it's the confession where where you can certainly see um the power of what the priest does and, and the importance of it as well
0: yeah and that that was the same for me i, I remember reading that for discerning it they, they said oh you know if you want to be a priest you've got to love love the Eucharist and, and initially for me it was actually the confession as well um I'd, I had a very uh you know important experience of confession myself and so I thought well this is what I want to do this is really it but mm-hmm. then that love of of our Lord in the Eucharist grew and it, you know and I thought wow what it would be to to hold our Lord in your hands having having consecrated him um mm-hmm. and not just for me I mean like you mentioned the you know, the priest isn't for himself, St. John Merviani says that. He doesn't he doesn't give himself absolution, he doesn't give himself the sacraments, but he does it for others. Um, I think that's it.
2: It seems really... Uh, sorry. You're wrong. Just It's very interesting because your whole discernment process is so different, uh, that I feel, than the religious life because it's so tied up, especially diocesan priesthood, in this particular service to these particular people in this particular place. That that service element is very, yeah, strong. Yeah, um,
1: and I think place is an important thing. Diocesan and priests are ordained to a diocese. Mm-hmm. And so the service of the church in Melbourne, and it was a, a really str- – I looked at lots of religious orders, mm-hmm. and one of the things that really differentiated it for me was that there was a desire to serve the church here in Melbourne mm-hmm. in which – had fostered my faith mm-hmm. from from a young age. I'm you know, I'm gonna you know, trump your two. No. So we're we're working our way through the sacraments. For me, it's actually anointing of the sick, mm-hmm. um, and it surprises me more than it because I never really thought I would enjoy hospital ministry. But there's something a little bit like the confessional and a little bit like mass. Of when you get called to the dying, the side of a dying person, um, you 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 have two feelings. One is Nobody else can do this. A lot of the work that we do as priests is work that lots of people can do and we share our work with lay people and religious all the time. But mm-hmm. the anointing of the sick and the giving them the last rites to a dying person is something only a priest can do. And when you get there and you walk in and you go, I have no right to be here. Like what, what right do I have to be here? And then there's that real reminder that it's I am not here christ is here Mm. and so that real sort of willingness to um or no being forced to die to ourself Mm. and i think this is something about vocation Mm -hmm. that in every vocation marriage religious life priesthood is there is that real death to self am i am i willing to die to myself my own desires my own needs um and do that for the rest of my life
2: yeah it makes demands on you that are not up to your own whims yeah you're committed with something that asks of you i think it's really important
1: so tell us a little bit about the seminary here in melbourne gens talking about dying to yourself no <laughs> <laughs> like uh. seminary's is not always easy it's it's seven years it's a long time you get you get more for more for murder in some cases than you do <laughs> um entering the seminary um what what's it like sort of living in a in a house of formation um, with some of your peers and sort of walking that journey together.
3: I mean, as you say, Father, very cheekily, that it, it is like you're living in a community and obviously that comes with with the whole package. Like it, you've got the, the benefits of having the brothers to support you and encourage you and the staff and the four there to encourage and support you as well. But you've obviously got the other side of having to, to live with these people, um, <laughs> which is like can be challenging obviously, but is obviously there to help you. You have to learn to to deal with the issues, um, you have to learn to, to love your brothers even through whatever circumstances. So that much is yeah, yeah very good. But the as I was sort of saying before, the, the structure of the seminary is obviously there to help you. They have all the things that have got the four pillars, the human, the pastoral, the academic and the spiritual, and all of those are there to, to assist you to grow as a complete human person.
1: Xavier, you lived in two seminaries in your life. That's um, right. Corpus Christi College used to be Glen Waverley, which is now the Police Academy, That's and right. now you're in Corpus Christi Carlton.
3: Yeah.
0: Coppers Christi, I Yeah, call it. I
1: won't ask you to compare and contrast, sort of. <laughs> um, but yeah, what what is it of the your time in the seminary that really sort of helps sort of s- um, solidify that sense of a call in you?
0: Yeah, I think it in a similar way to the Police Academy, actually, is that when I joined the police, I didn't join to be a recruit at the police academy, but I joined to be a policeman. And so it's always that acknowledgement that I'm here for something else. I'm here to prepare myself, This is, and it's a long preparation in the um, priesthood, seven years, not seven months. Um, I'm here to prepare myself for the priesthood. I'm not called to community life, as good as community life is, to help me and to prepare me, but I'm called to be a, a diocesan priest out out in the in the field, boots on the ground kind of type thing. Of type thing, um, but really, I think what, what the seminary gives you is firstly a, a sense of your unworthiness that it's God has called me and He's called me for something great, and I need to prepare myself because I can't do it myself. And then the church graciously gives us seven years, which you quickly realize is not long enough to prepare yourself, and so you've just got to give everything. This is the You Disciple podcast. For more information on what's happening on a campus near you, go to youdisciple.melbournecatholic.org.
1: So it's Good Shepherd Sunday. Um, around about, someone's sitting on a tram right now. They're listening to this podcast and they're going, ah, "God's not calling me." Like, what's? Or well, they be going, "Yeah, maybe he is." I don't want to do it. Like, what's your your final piece of advice?
3: Um, I, for me, I think it's a matter of commitment and and being generous. I think in our society today, both of those things are perhaps completely undermined in a sense. Like, we don't have the idea of um, having to commit to something for our whole lives, or we sort of balk at that. But ultimately, it, we have to be generous with the Lord. If he if he wants that for us, then yeah, we who are we to say no? In a sense.
0: Yeah, that's good. Mine will slightly contradict that, unfortunately. Mine is, <laughs> mine is be not afraid. It, don't be afraid of taking a step, but also realize that taking a step doesn't mean that you're meant to be a priest. It's not, you know, oh, I've thought about entering seminary. Also, oh, so now I'm going to be a priest. And it's, no, if you, if you take the step, if you take those few steps, our Lord will, will help you discern. God will close a door more readily than he'll just magically open one on that tram for you. Um, mm-hmm. So be not afraid. Trust in God. Um and then make a retreat. It'll help.
1: I um always use references and then realise they make me sound how how odd I am. But like the old Tom and Jerry cartoons <laughs> where Tom, which one was the cat? Jerry. No, Tom. Tom? Tom. Tom Tom. And he sort of he plays these games with the mouse before trying to kill him. Mm-hmm. Um so my piece of advice is God is not like a Tom and Jerry cartoon. Mm-hmm. Like if he's putting a prompting on your heart, he's got something to say to you. Yeah. Doesn't mean you're going to be saying mass in seven years' time, but it says like he doesn't put these things in our heart to to punish us or to to take us in a direction. There's always something to learn. So mm-hmm. um trust yeah. in him and if it's there, um follow it. He's got something to teach you. Mm-hmm. Um he's got something to, to share and he's got something to use you. I mean, like he might be using you for a period of time to walk along somebody else who's discerning mm-hmm. and you might be the person who encourages them yeah. and then God takes you in a different direction. But God doesn't play games with us or with our vocation. So
2: Sorry, as the one who's not anything to do with priests right here, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I <I'm> will just advertise <laughs> let's, it. Let's pray for our priests and potential priests, seminarians for Good Shepherd Sunday. We need priests. We need good holy priests and we can do something about it. Can get on our knees. That's we right.
1: can. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thank you, sister. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, Thank and we'll be praying for you and for your brothers in the seminary. You Thank you, kindly. Of God bless. God bless.
0: Whether you've been listening to us on the tram, in the library, or on your way to class, thanks for listening to this week's You Disciple podcast. Share, like, and subscribe. and We hope to see you on and around campus. The You Disciple podcast is a production of the Catholic Archdiocese of Melbourne.